Good morning. <clears throat> glad you're here with us this morning here on campus, and glad for those who are joining us live stream. You have a Bible, if you would, grab it, please, a hard copy, or if it's on a mobile device, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. It's mid-May, and we've made it now through chapter 1. Well, by the end of this morning, we'll be through chapter 1 of Ephesians. It's been a great look at this end of chapter 1 because it's a prayer that Paul is praying for the believers there in that town called Ephesus, and it's been a great opportunity for, I hope, us to say, oh, would we pray this prayer for ourselves, and would we be an answer to this prayer that we would be the fullness of Christ? If you're there in Ephesians 1, the heart of the prayer is captured in verse 18 and 19, where he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know. And here's what he's going to pray, that they will know these things, that you will know what is the hope of his calling, that you will know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power, which is what? Toward us who believe. He, he prays those things that would be true for them, and we pray that they'd be true for us for this reason. Drop down to verse 22 in Ephesians 1. And he, the Father, put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the goal of this prayer has been that we would be the body of Christ that reflects the fullness of Christ because he is the one who fills all in all and he intends to do that not in some mystical manner but in some real, practical, tangible manner called you and I, the church. That we are his body. And so I want us to give a very careful, in-depth thought this morning to simply this. Being the body of Christ. Because that can easily go, oh yeah, the church, the body of Christ. But let's not run past it. Because think of that idea. Jesus had a body, yes? Yeah, conceived in the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, born in Bethlehem, grew up, lived a perfect life without sin in a body. That body was then beaten and crucified and buried and raised from the dead. And then that resurrected body appeared to many hundreds and then ascended to heaven. So the resurrected Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But Christ is still made manifest, revealed on this earth with a body. And who is it? Yeah, this is what I want to say. The body of Christ present 
is, according to what we just read in Ephesians chapter 1. It's us, the church corporately, the church together, is the body of Christ. Now, the local church or the global church? Yes. You understand what I'm saying? That the body of Christ, the church, is all who have trusted in Jesus around the globe. That's the church. And then there is a little tiny local church in Mandarin called Christian Family Chapel. Are we the body of Christ? Yeah, the church is made up of many churches. The body of Christ made up of many bodies of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It's not only the church corporately, local, and global, for even as the body is one body and yet as many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. Watch, so also is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 is the chapter in the New Testament that gives us, unpacks for us this picture of think of your body and then it's a great human visual to Christ. Because one body but many parts. What's he say? So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Now, not all of humanity, but all who have repented of their sin, believed in Jesus, and received the free gift of eternal life. To them, the Bible says, he called them children of God. And if we're children, he has poured his spirit into our hearts. So that we were all baptized, we were all made into one body because we all received the same spirit. So Christian Family Chapel, the body of Christ, local, is part of the body of Christ, global. But there's more. The body of Christ is not only the church corporately, that is the local church and the global church, the body of Christ is the Christian Individually. Are you the body of Christ? If you have trusted Jesus, Christ lives in you. Paul's testimony. I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in in me and the life I now live I live by faith in other words I live by confidence in the one who now dwells in me so do you get the power that what he's praying is the body of Christ would reflect the fullness of Christ who has been exalted over all And that should happen individually because I'm the body of Christ. It should happen locally in a church because we're the body of Christ. And it ought to happen globally as all the local bodies of Christ 
baptized together in the Spirit are the body of Christ. It's a powerful image that Christ has wrapped himself in your humanity. It's why Jesus said to the disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because thus far, I have been with you. But if I go away, then the helper, the Holy Spirit will come. And he will not only be with you, he will be in you. So that as the body of Christ, when you go to work, Christ is present in you. When you go to school, Christ is present in you. When you go home today, Christ is present in you. And we have the privilege as the body of Christ to be the presence of Christ wherever we go, so that, this is the prayer, that we would reveal the fullness of Christ at home, at school, at work, individually, and as a church. So let me ask you a question. When you think body of Christ, Do you tend to think church or do you tend to think Christian, the individual? Which one do you tend to think? Eh? Yeah. Okay. How many of you think, I tend to think body of Christ, church? All right. How many tend to think, oh, body of Christ, the believer, Christian? Which one's right? Yeah, you get that. They're both. So I'm not... uh, I'm not just trying to make a silly point here. If we lose that the church is the body of Christ, we're going to miss something. And if we lose this is the body of Christ, we're going to miss something. Uh, Try and express it this way. We cannot be corporately something that we are not individually. See, all the time I say, I want us to be the church. Christ wants us to be the the local church, the body of Christ that does this. But ultimately, who is CFC? You individually, together. We cannot be a church corporately. What you are not individually. So we need to see this is the body of Christ. Flip side, we cannot do individually what God has intended to be accomplished corporately. He made you, as his child, the body of Christ for a reason. And he made you, as the body of Christ, part of a greater body of Christ for a reason. Goal going forward very simply this morning that by the time we're finished you will see individually with greater clarity what it means for you to be the body of Christ and you will have a greater appreciation and understanding for what it means for us corporately to be the body of Christ take either one away and what are we missing fullness and that's the prayer 
that the fullness of Christ would be revealed through the body of Christ. It's dependent. That fullness is dependent. First, I want us to look at uh, about this prayer being applied individually and corporately. This prayer meaning the prayer in Ephesians 1. So as we've gone through it in recent weeks, I wonder, have you thought, how does this prayer apply to us as a church? And how does this prayer apply to me personally? The prayer has been that we would be the body of Christ that reveals the fullness of Christ, first of all, in knowing him. How do we know him corporately? By what we're doing right now. It is why one of the, and I'll define in a moment the other, one of the most defining marks of who we are at Christian Family Chapel is our commitment to say, when we gather, we will open this book and we will get to know him. This is not a place for personal opinion or for political agenda. It's a place where, Lord willing, our deep commitment and the deep commitment of the elders of this church is that if everything else has to go away, when we're gathered, we're going to open the scriptures and we're going to know him because we cannot be him if we don't know him. I hope it's your experience, week in, week out, that you grow in knowing him because of our time in the scriptures. What we talked about last week, that you would hear, as it were, the very utterances of God to you. That it would be changing you from one degree of glory to another. It's why, friends, we're going to pay the price when we become casual about our corporate participation. Really grateful in the last year that though we could not physically gather, we could at least still gather for a lot of months together this way. It was weird, a camera three feet away. And then I went, this is kind of cool, as everybody's on the front row. See, when you show up, you don't want to sit in here in the front row. But everybody watching, you're like in the front row. But when we start allowing, oh man, it's summer and COVID's over and we're going to spend lots of time on the road and travel, I hope that won't mean to the neglect of your corporate gathering because the corporate gathering is important for us growing in Christ to reveal him fully. That's one of the reasons we're going to continue to live stream. Now, are we concerned that live stream becomes the easy way to go? Oh, I don't have to get up. I can stay in my PJs. I don't have to get the kids ready. I can listen to you while the bacon's sizzling. I, uh, do we have a concern about that? Yeah, I do have a concern about that. I have a greater concern that you miss completely. Why? Why? 
Because the commitment to teach the scriptures corporately is necessary, invaluable for growing in Christ to reveal him fully. But does that have an individual application? I hope you're with me now. See, one of, the, one of my desires is that, that you would be, your experience would be, man, when I read the scriptures and we see it on Sunday morning, it makes sense, it applies to my life, and it would make you hungry to go, I want to read on Monday morning and Tuesday morning or whatever, Wednesday at noon, whatever time of the day, that you would, on a consistent manner, individually seek to know him through revelation, which is what the prayer is, that the Spirit of God would have you personally interacting with the Scriptures. For those of you who've never made it your practice to have a time in the Word individually, here's an encouragement for you. The Lord will speak to you personally in unique ways that doesn't happen corporately. There are great things I've learned sitting and listening to somebody else teach the scriptures. And then there there are those things that I have learned as I have been in the scriptures myself, and those are like my kids. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're like precious because it was the Lord speaking to me through his word, not the Lord speaking to me through his word through somebody else. There's something very precious about each of us beginning to meet with the Lord individually. So would you know him, the body of Christ, as we seek to know him, the body of Christ? It's the prayer being answered individually and corporately. That we would corporately know the hope of his calling and individually know the hope of his calling. Very simply, Bill defined that as for this. The hope of his calling is this. All are invited. What's that mean individually? That means we live with an invitational mindset wherever God has placed us because we are the body of Christ. That when we go to work, we go with the mindset, God has placed me here and all are invited into relationship with him. Are you invitational where God has placed you? Invitational on your streets? Invitational in your homes? Invitational to your family? Invitational to your coworkers? Invitational to those who work out at your gym? You see what I'm saying? If it really is, the hope of his calling is anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, then we want to declare that invitation wherever God places us. And what's that mean corporately? How's that answered? Very simply, that all who come here would experience warm welcome and gracious hospitality. It's not, there's few things worse than an unfriendly church because that denies the hope of his calling corporately. That's why we want to continually say, let there be no strangers who come to be a part of the body of Christ. It's always easy to 
oh, hey, to hang out with the people we know and welcome the people we know. But the hope of his calling is that we welcome and say hey to those we've never met before. Warm welcome, gracious hospitality is the corporate answer of knowing the hope of his calling. Knowing the glory of his inheritance. What's his inheritance? Every tongue, tribe, people, and nation are going to worship the Son to the glory of the Father. And so as a church, we're radically committed to not only impacting this community, but to the ends of the earth. That's why Bill just shared about short-term mission trip to Ukraine, because it's one of the first places open up that we can send people for the sake of the gospel. That's why we want to invite you to invest the resources that God has given you to be a steward over, to invest them globally. If you are not, as a follower of Christ, the body of Christ, engaged in anybody who is involved with the gospel to the nations, you're missing part of your role as the body of Christ. It would be unconscionable for us as a church to say, no, we don't do missions. We can't be the body of Christ and not do missions because the body of Christ is for every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. You see? So that can't be true corporately. Shouldn't be true individually. So I'm inviting you to to take a step there. To know his power. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead is pointed toward us. Who's us? Us individually the body of Christ or us corporately the body of Christ? Yes. The resurrection power pointed toward you individually. So blessed. My friend in the back said, came over to me during worship said, just I want to thank you. Thanks for sharing with me. I want to thank you. I took a step last week that I wouldn't have taken, but I knew I needed to take it because the power of God pointed toward me. And as a church, to take steps that we wouldn't take naturally, but we would take because we believe the power of God pointed toward us. That's why we oftentimes in a corporate gathering would say, anybody have a need? Physically, health-wise, financially, relationally, stand. And let's invite resurrection power to be at work in your life. Why? Because we're the body of Christ and we're the body of Christ. I think you want to be a part of church, a church where supernatural is happening. How about you individually? You want to live a life where the supernatural is happening. See, being the body, don't think just individually and don't just think the church. <laughs> Talked to a guy yesterday at Burnett Park and he says, that's, that's, and he's talking about a, a local church. He says, the problem with that church is it's just only old people go there. And he was an old guy and it was everything that wanted me to go well, why don't you leave then? This is all old people. Who's the body? Individually, we are the body of Christ. And so we want to know him. And we want to be invitational. Individually, corporately. And we want to be global. Individually and corporately. And we want to be powerful. Not for our sake, but who's Powerful. Individually, corporately. Apart from that, individually and corporately, the fullness of Christ will not be revealed. Who fills all and in all.
All right, so that's first. It's dependent on the prayer. <laughs> and we can't answer it corporately. I can only beg of you that you would ask it individually. Because when we know him, excuse me, when you know him, we will know him. And when you're invitational, we'll be invitational. And when you're global, we'll be global. You see it? Because the church is really made up of the individual. Second, fullness. Dependent upon the application, not only of the prayer that he prayed, but the application of the headship of Jesus in the church and the lordship of Jesus in the individual. See, it wasn't until I started to really meditate upon being the body, I don't know why I never connected this, but headship in the church is the equivalent of lordship in the individual because it's about authority. Who has the authority at Christian Family Chapel? Jesus. That's not theoretical. That's really, really true. Jesus has the authority. Elders who serve here understand that they are under shepherds to a chief shepherd. And that makes all the difference in the world. The, the same guy burned up part yesterday. He was... He said, there's more politics in the church than there's in Washington, D.C. And he wasn't talking about Democrat versus Republican. He's just going, it's, it's just, it's just people in the church are just doing things for themselves. Just each one looking out for one another. It's not about the country. It's not about the kingdom of God. It's not about Jesus. It's just everybody doing this. And I said, well, that's not true at our church. He said, oh, yeah, so you're the one church in the world that doesn't have politics in it. I actually, Wayne was watching this from a distance. I said, well, I didn't say we're the one church. It's just not true at chapel. Well, it's true in every church. I said, have you ever been to CFC? No. Well, I'd invite you to come. Seriously. I hope he's watching. Maybe I don't. I didn't see him out here because he knew where we were. And I was like, "You ought to come," because I can genuinely say, politics does not rule Christian Family Chapel. Doesn't Jesus does? It's headship. He has authority here, and elders who have authority under him to lead, to guide, to guard this church recognize. Jesus is our leader. We'll never be who Christ wants us to be if Christ is not our head. You get what that means individually? The equivalent to headship corporately is lordship individually. It's about authority in your life. The scripture declared he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. So he is corporately head. But Paul also said to the Philippians, God highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, that's not presently true. That's why we're invitational. 
But one day it will be true. Every tongue will confess. Between now, now and then, we are the body of Christ. And it is our disposition as the body of Christ to make him head of the church and Lord of our life. That he really does have authority in your marriage. Does he have authority in your marriage? Is he determining authority in your finances? It's, it's, this may bug you if you're new. That's why we don't teach tithing. Because tithing doesn't teach authority in finances. You know what tithing teaches? Pay my 10% God tax and the 90% is mine. <laughs> if I just pay God off, the rest is mine. But you know what New Testament teaches? Stewardship, which means 100% belongs to the Lord. And I'm accountable not only to what I give, I'm accountable to the Lord for what I spend and what I save. It's about authority. And you know what the great competitor to headship and lordship in our lives is? Control. I want want to have control. I want to have ownership. I want to do what I want when I want. I mean, I want God to be a part of, I want him to be a piece of the pie, but I want to, I want to like rule the pie. And to the degree that that's present in my life, fullness won't be revealed. It's, it's, the prayer that I'm asking, inviting you to just consider this morning is, is he, Lord, over your life the way you probably want him to be head over the church. But sometimes we want the church to do corporately what we don't want to do individually. And what what is the church? (laughs) It's a bunch of individuals. It's a bunch of body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Maybe this will put a, uh, a new understanding of a verse that many of us are well aware of. Uh, Paul begins the final section in Romans with this prayer. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And it's a, because of what God has done for you, the whole idea here is because of what God has done for you, then it's only right that you would pay him back by yielding your body to him. Except that's not accurate. One of the few times I don't appreciate how the New American Standard translates this. Because where it says, which is your spiritual service, the word here actually... Am I hearing things or are you hearing things? Okay. (laughs) Sorry. 
squirrel. Um, <clears throat> the word here that New American Standard says spiritual actually in the Greek is the word that you and I would get logical from. Rational, reasonable. And when I see it that way, I think I get the point of it. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What's reasonable about it? It's reasonable because he owns me. The net result of, of authority, of lordship, is that I don't own myself. And so sometimes we take this verse and we think, well, God's done so much for you to do. Well, okay, Lord, thou, you sacrifice for me, I'll sacrifice for you. That is not what this says. What this says is he has bought you. And to do anything but to present yourself to him is robbery on your part. And robbery on my part. I'm stealing back what he has rightfully purchased. So there's no glory in my, well, I'll sacrifice for Jesus who sacrificed for me. That's not accurate. <laughs> I will reasonably <laughs> present myself to the one who owns me. Ownership clarifies everything. I've told you before. One of the greatest moments was somebody, uh, after a week of vacation, gave my wife uh, $700 left over of their vacation and said, hey, I've enjoyed you so much, I want you to give this to your church. We were down in St. Augustine. We were like, $700. And we sat right over here the next day in church. And it was the easiest $700 we threw on the plate ever in my life. Because I had never, like, made it mine. But sometimes it's hard to give because we've made it ours. When I go, ah, how about 70? Hard to give is always a reflection <laughs> that I have reclaimed what God has purchased. It's a lordship issue. It's an ownership issue. And what the scripture is saying is, no, it's just a logical issue. Is he bought you, you belong to him. It's all his. Just present what is already his. It was no big deal to give to him what already belongs to him. Third, there's, oh, <laughs> fullness is dependent upon corporate unity, that, that we, in other words, as the body of Christ would be unified, which is always what the church is most known for, it's unity. Yeah, a few of you really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's because that's not true. Regrettably. Fullness, the fullness of Christ revealed in the body of Christ is dependent upon Unity. It's why Jesus prayed in the upper room before he's going to be arrested. He says in John 17, Lord, may they who believe in me, may they be one as we are. 
One, who's he talking about? Father, Son, and Spirit. There's a goal for you. Be as unified as a church as the Trinity is unified. That's a pretty high standard. That's what Jesus prayed, that we as a church would be as unified as the Trinity. And anytime there's brokenness or division or gossip or flag waving for that which is most important to you. Jesus gets lost in that, doesn't he? You get elevated, I get elevated, and Jesus gets demoted. See, when we're unified, Christ is revealed. But, Just as much as we need corporate unity, we need individual diversity. What's our chapter in the New Testament on the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 12. He says this. Ha, forgot, sorry. First, Philippians 2. I hate it when I set up 1 Corinthians 12 and then I have Philippians 2 as the next slide. Here's the prayer for for unity. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Good description of the Trinity, intended to be the description of the body of Christ. So corporate unity. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, individual diversity. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, just imagine that for a moment. The whole body and I. Are you visualizing it? Stuck? Helpless? Really good at seeing? But to no avail. Where would the hearing be? Among a lot of other things. If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? This is like written way before COVID and it's right here. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? You see, the beauty of the body of Christ corporately is in our unity, same purpose, same love, same spirit, same intent, and individual diversity. Male, and female, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, young, and old. Is it good to have young people in the church? Is it good to have old people in the church? Yeah, there's a lot of churches like, we ain't got the time for old people. We need young people. Actually, we need all ages. Seriously. May it never be true that CFC says we're a church for 25 to 35. Oh, you laugh. That's, that's a major move in most churches. 
we're, we're targeting 25 to 35. We all want to be like ears. There's no fullness revealed in that. May the Lord fill our nurseries and our preschool and our youth ministry and our senior and our young families. You see? The fullness of the body. And that's just age and gender and race. Nationality. That's when the beauty of the body of Christ is revealed. And then within all of that mix, then there is gifting. Those who give and those who help and those who organize and those who pray and those who lead, those who teach. The beauty of the body of Christ. Without it, we're missing fullness. And we're missing some fullness at CFC. I want to share with you, just briefly, real quick here, some fullness opportunities. You know what that means? That's a positive spin on fullness gaps. In other words, for us to be the fullness of Christ, reveal children, youth, adults, we have members of our body, we have bodies of Christ who aren't participating in the body of Christ. What happens is this. Some of you, as the body of Christ, are doing four and five things. Because four or five of you aren't doing anything. But that's not how the body's intended to function. So, if you're part of the body of Christ, you are the body of Christ. And he intended you to participate. And he has made you just the way he made you to participate in it, to serve, to help. So what are some opportunities? In children, nursery. We had an emergency text last night because we anticipated we're going to have this morning more babies than adults. And you know what I am thrilled to hear right now? No crying babies. <laughs> Do you know why? Because at the last minute, some people stepped up. But we could do without late night Saturday text on trying to find folks. We just need some folks who, quite frankly, let me be very direct, are part of the body of Christ and are not serving in any capacity to say, I, I can help watch some babies or help with the Sunday school classes or serve a couple times this summer in SOS. We've needed 300 spots, 200 of them fill. We have 100 more opportunities. For tech, sound, projection, lights, camera, photographer. 50 years ago, you would have thought, for the church? Weren't you happy in most of 2020 that we had folks with those gifts serving? I sure was. It helped us maintain being the body of Christ. In worship, those who play bass, drums, electric guitar, singers, 
And Matt said we could use two of each because he's building an ark and he needs two by two to go. <laughs> no, it's just, he needs two of each. It was just kind of funny to me. More <clears throat> hospitality, warm welcome, gracious hospitality, greeters, folks who set up, get the campus ready. Our counseling ministry has a resource center. Almost all the things I just said to you right there, they're monthly opportunities. They're like easy first starts. If you're like, ah, I don't know. You could go from not participating to helping and making a difference. The, the, the body of Christ is a family. And I don't know how to say it any more simply and hopefully obviously than this. If you are benefiting from being a part of the family but not participating in helping in any way with the family, it's not glorifying to God. So if you're benefiting in some way, I want to encourage you to serve in some way. Beyond Sunday morning, if Sunday mornings don't work well for you, our youth ministry Sunday night, small group leaders facilitating either small groups for junior high, senior high, college. For our college ministry, you don't have to facilitate a small group, but to open up your home for college students to gather there. What a great gift to college students, a host home. For local impact, we've long recognized that family brokenness is a great need in our community. We used to have a single parenting class. It went away. We see the need. We'd like to bring it back. We need someone to facilitate it. TESOL. God has surrounded us with a bunch of people. TESOL stands for teaching English to speakers of other languages. God has surrounded us with global opportunity. And they actually want to learn to speak English. And to be able to not only give them the gift of what they want, but to do in the context of being the body of Christ so that when they're learning English, they're experiencing Jesus because they're getting it at CFC instead of the local community college. What a great gift. And lots of our TESOL folks make the transition from TESOL to Sunday morning. For our power-up clubs this summer, we could use 14 more people who would say, I'll volunteer my front yard, and I'll be invitational because the hope of his calling is all are invited. See, there's, there's opportunity. But don't miss it's, it's more than, oh, I'm just serving somewhere. What are we doing? <laughs> Here's what we're doing. The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Did you catch that? Just each individual part, when it works properly, fitted together, and the whole body, you know what What happens? causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Being the body is simply this. Every person, individually the body of Christ, doing their part within the corporate body of Christ 
love grows. And when love grows, God's glorified. But love doesn't grow when we have parts not doing their part. Jesus did his part. He prayed in that prayer I referenced earlier, said, Father, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work with which you've given me to do. See, I couldn't do Jesus' part. Only Jesus could do. And I can't do Stacy's part. And Stacy can't do my part. But if each of us would do our part and say, Lord, I gave what you accomplished, I accomplished what you gave me to do. So take the elements, if you would, of the Lord's Supper you have in front of you there. Let me invite you to yeah, do the mechanics first. If you're watching at home, maybe you want to take a moment and grab something that would remind you of the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Here we have a, an unleavened wafer. And then underneath the foil, the grape juice that represents the blood of Christ. Okay, when, you, when you're opened up and ready, just look up here, for, if you would, for a moment. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of him. So let's remember two specific things this morning. This reminds us Jesus accomplished what the Father gave him to do. And I want to encourage you before you take it that you would say, Lord, I'll do what you have for me to do. Lordship. And this is the reminder <clears throat> that we have been through his work, restored to made one with him. That we, through him, have become the body of Christ. When we take it, we're reminded we're one with him. That resurrection power, it was at work in him, is at work in us. So bow and just before we take, would you submit yourself again to his authority? And invite his power, surpassingly great, to be at work in you and through you. Lord, we want that to be true so that love would prevail. We humbly submit ourselves as instruments of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Let's take in remembrance of him. Let's stand and Matt will lead us in a prayer as a closing song.